He knows how you work. He knows how you think, how you operate. He knows how the universe works because He designed it and He built it from the ground up. (laughs) Turtles all the way down. He He is the originator of all information. He is the originator of all wisdom and knowledge. When we understand that, He designed everything. He wrote all information, all knowledge, all wisdom. It originates from the mind of God. We don't have all information. We don't have even close to a big picture. God does. So again, applying this knowledge, because God has the whole picture, not just a big portion of it. He's got all of it. We have almost none of it. When God leads us a specific direction, when God tells us to do something that seems off, it seems crazy, it seems counterintuitive, that's why we can trust in Him. Because we don't have the information God has. He knows what He's doing. He knows where we're headed. He knows where He's taking us. So we can trust in Him. When He tells us to do something, we can just do it. When He asks something of us, we can give it. I really need that right now. Not as much as you might think. God knows what you need. We don't. We think we do. But we don't. All right. God is immutable. means he never changes. Malachi 3.6 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Hebrews 13 and 8 says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Okay, this goes in line with the fact that God is altogether perfect. Okay, so what does that mean exactly, God is perfect? I mean, I can, I can walk into a, a, a building, I can walk into a house, and I can say, oh, this house is, this would be perfect for me. This house would be perfect. It has a, it has a good amount of space, it has this, it has that, bright colors, it's perfect. Is that the same kind of perfect we're talking about here? No, of course not. But we don't really understand what that means. Not experientially anyway. We use the word, this hamburger is perfect. It's prepared perfectly. We've all said that. No, there's not. Nothing at all. (laughs) Anyway. But that is not the perfection we're talking about. A perfect hamburger doesn't begin to compare to a perfect God. When we we explore the idea of north, south, east, and west, we understand that you can go north for so far, but eventually you're going to start going south again, right? You can go east forever. You can go west forever. When you're 
in the exact true north spot. If I take one step in any direction, I'm not north anymore. I'm south. Any change in my position means I'm not north anymore. I'm now moving south. And that's the best way I can think to explain God's perfection as correlates with His immutability. The reason He doesn't change is because He's perfect. If He made any changes at all, He wouldn't be perfect anymore. It's like being exact north. Any change, I'm not north anymore. I'm not perfect. If God would change in any way, He wouldn't be perfect anymore. Any change at all would be a change for the worse. So He changes not. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why He doesn't change. He can't change. There's nothing that can be added to God. You can't improve on God. There's nobody that's going to teach God anything to become a better God. God cannot get more powerful, wiser, smarter, bigger, or better than He is right now. Than He has always been. There's no force, known or unknown, that could act upon God to change Him in any way. He is unchangeable. He is the one sure constant in all of creation. He has always been. He always will be. And the way He was, the way He is, the way He will be, is exactly the same. It's exactly the same. God doesn't change. God was good at the beginning. He's good now. And He will be good forevermore. He was faithful. He is faithful. And He will be faithful forevermore. Amen. Alright, God's character. These are things that we can understand about God only through special revelation. Those things we can kind of see in creation, these uh, the rest that we'll speak about today, we only get through special revelation or through the Word of God. First John 4 and 8 says, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. I'm sorry, God is love. First John 4.16 says, We have known and believed that the love that God hath to us, God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. We all know John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And Psalm 86 and 15 says, But Thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. He is a God of love. That must have been the wrong verse. That doesn't make sense. Still true, though. <clears throat> Still good. All right. The love that characterizes God is above us, beyond us, impossible for us to generate naturally. The love that we have naturally is a cold, selfish love. I'll love you, but you better love me back. I'll do for you, but I'm expecting something in return. That's our natural bent. That's the way we are by nature, our fallen nature. God's love is so much different. It is, like everything else, 
that God is perfect. He is a perfect love. The agape love that led God to come to earth in flesh so that He could suffer and die in our place for our sins. Why? So He could get something in return? Maybe a relationship with us. But He didn't demand it before He did it. He didn't secure that agreement before He came and died. He did it in the hopes that we might say yes. This characteristic of God is reflected in everything He's done. Every interaction He's had with mankind has been permeated with love. Every act that He's performed since the very beginning of time till this present moment and on through eternity is, was, and will be characterized by agape love. He is never concerned about his own well-being. He's always concerned about yours and mine. Period. Love is what drives God to demonstrate mercy. Love is what also drives God to discipline us. To lead us through tough paths so that we might get to the best places in Him. That's love. What's the opposite of love? Not hate. Indifference. Indifference is the opposite. The idea that I couldn't care less. I don't care if you live or die. I don't care what happens to you. People hate only because they care. That's why people hate God. Indifference in my mind is the opposite of love. God is just. Deuteronomy 32 and 4 says, He is the rock, His work is perfect, for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. Leviticus 19 and 36 says, Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin. Shall ye have? I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Nehemiah 9 and 33 says, Howbeit thou art just in all that is brought upon us, for thou hast done right, but we have done wickedly. Job 9 and 2 says, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? The term just is mentioned 21 times in Proverbs. This combines with God's omniscience and omnipotence. His omniscience because God's judgment is always perfect. He will always judge perfectly. His omnipotence because God will always execute just punishment perfectly. He has the power and He has the authority to judge whomsoever He will. And He will judge them perfectly. God will never be a respecter of persons. Why should He be? Why would He have to be? He is infinitely higher than anyone. The lowest slave, the highest head of state, are all the same to God. They're the same, they have the same exact bearing. They all stand desperately in need of salvation. 
It is God's sense of justice that demands punishment for sin. That's the reason God had to come on the cross. That's the reason He had to die. Is because justice had to be served. The punishment for sin had to be paid. This is a characteristic of God. We will speak later about that. All right. God is righteous. Psalm 145.17 says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways and holy in all His works. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is He. 1 John 2.29 says, If ye know that He is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him. Alright, so what is righteousness? It means what is correct, the right thing, equity, straightness. What is so or ought to be so. Being righteous means, in our hearing today, that we are right in the eyes of God. So our definition of righteous is God's definition of righteous. What is God's definition of righteous? It's who He is. It's His character. God's character is our definition of what is right. What God does and thinks, that's right. Anything that acts contrary to these things are by definition wrong or sin. God's character defines right and wrong. We cannot be righteous on our own. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. But we need the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ applied to us. We are righteous because God declares us to be righteous. He imputes His righteousness to us. That is the miracle of the cross. That is the miracle of the finished work of Jesus Christ at Calvary. That He can impart those things to us. The victory that He wrought at Calvary, He can give to us. We ought to strive to live perfectly and righteous. But we are not perfect beings. Jesus is perfect. We don't have to live perfectly according to the law. We can accept the finished work of Jesus Christ as our righteousness. Amen. God is holy. Exodus 15 and 11 says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Leviticus 19 and 2 says, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Isaiah 6.3 says, One cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Revelation 15 and 4 says, Who shall not fear Thee, O Lord, and glorify Thy name? For Thou only art holy, for all nations shall come and worship before Thee, for Thy judgments are made manifest. And Hebrews 12 and 14 says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Holiness means apartness, sacredness, a thing consecrated to God. So then, to be holy is to be set apart and consecrated to God, able and willing to do His will. Understand, we were created for His pleasure and for His purpose. We are for Him, not the other way around. I know we turn to Him whenever we need help 
And he stands ready to help and to minister and to bless and to provide his good things to us. But we get that mixed up sometimes. He's not our Santa Claus. We are here for his purpose. We are here for his glory. We are here for his pleasure. We were created for him, to serve him, not the other way around. God gave Moses his law so that Israel would be able to demonstrate to this world the holiness of God. I think, if I remember correctly, 190 times in the Pentateuch, first five books of the Bible, holy or holiness is mentioned. It's an important concept to God. It's an important aspect of his character. How holy is God? When Moses stood in the presence of God and saw his back, his face shone radiantly afterward, so much so that he had to put a veil over his face. The people of Israel couldn't stand to look on him. God's presence is so utterly and dreadfully holy that the angels closest to him, worshiping him, cover their eyes, declaring holy, holy, holy. God is dreadfully and fearfully holy. Now notice, I'm over time. We're not talking standards here. We're talking holiness. Holiness. That's something in here. That's something that God declares in us. We're not holy by ourselves. God declares us to be holy. Again, because of the finished work of Jesus at Calvary, God removes the sin from us. God wipes away the barrier of sin, and He can come and live and dwell inside of us. Because we are a holy vessel dedicated unto Him. Amen. Let's all stand.